when you think about what Kenny did for his first deal, when he said, hey, I'm going to be start sending letters to my neighborhood. And then I found this house, right? You put this on a contract and which is what, five houses away from you that's totally abandoned. Welcome to the First Gen Mastery Podcast, where we empower first-generation immigrants to master the path to abundance and freedom through real estate investing. We are your hosts, Austin Wong and Aman Shahi. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode. So I am your host, Austin Wong, with your co-host, John Lang, and we are going to interview Kenny Johnson. And all three of us, if you have listened to our past episodes, are all working together on a real estate deal actively. And we're all a part of a group that's called Race Masters, who are gearing towards how to raise money for real estate deals. And Kenny here is our main capital raiser for the team, uh, who's going to share with us his journey today on how he got started in real estate and what was his capital raising journey like. Welcome to the show, Kenny. How are you doing today? Hey, Austin. I'm doing excellent. Thank you so much. How are you? I'm doing great. So why don't we get started? Uh, tell us a little bit on how you got started into real estate. What were your role like? So I've got to start with my dad. I decided very early on because of my dad that I was not going to do real estate. My dad was a property manager for, uh, and actually still is, for about 50 units. It's just, it's grown. Him, He had a partner and they just, you know, bots, these sort of low, low income type of apartments. And I was constantly seeing my dad take phone calls to go fix these properties that, you know, kids were swinging on screen doors, breaking refrigerator doors, just like whatever it was. And I said, why would anyone want to buy real estate? This is like the worst thing you could ever do. Problem after problem. So that was my early exposure to real estate. And thankfully, I have a friend, um, his name is AJ, and he comes to me one day. This was when I was probably 23, 24 years old. And he says, hey, I'm going to start buying rentals. And I said, that is the worst thing you could do. Do not get into real estate. And this is why. And I told him about my dad. <laughs> so it's it's obviously comical now. Um, I'm 34 now. And you know I've been investing in real estate for, for the last four and a half years but um, those are my early exposures into real estate was, um, was my dad and then my friend AJ saying, I'm going to start doing this. And I ended, up, I ended up going to a Rich Dad, Poor Dad seminar. I don't know if anyone out there has ever been to those. There's, um, it's called Legacy Education. And honestly, I'm very, very thankful for those people because they, they opened up a door in my mind of, hey, this could work. And um, I went in super skeptical about it. And, you know, they had a speaker who was this lady who basically says, you know, I'm a millionaire and you can be a millionaire too. And, you know, everyone's signing up for this class after she, you know, gives her speech. But, um, but that was my exposure into sort of starting to learn about what real estate can do, its benefits, the whole concept of trading your money for money or just being an investor in general and not even your money, but other people's money. How could you use other people's money to make you money? Um, and those concepts that, that before didn't at all make sense now make perfect sense and i'm so thankful for it thank you for sharing that kenny so i have that that's actually a very i think a unique perspective from looking at 
you know, your your dad be like, oh, this is not really a glamorous job of like, oh, I just sit here and then collecting paychecks. This is, you have to go fix a lot of things and deal with a lot of people. And you also mentioned that this is like, a, you know, a, a, whether a low income area, which I bet, you know, the tenant class might not be, you know, the best of the people that you want to deal with on a day to day basis. And so how did you bridge that gap in your mind? Be like, you know what? This is the worst thing that you can do, you know, do a rental. It's like you're going to be having so much headache. It's not going to worth your time to be right. like, oh, this is actually a good vehicle that can help me to create wealth, you know, in the long run. Where do you bridge that gap? Yes. Great question. I think that that sort of was the secret to how I, I am where I am now, which is, you know, full-time real estate investor. What I didn't understand with my dad was... He was an owner. He had a partner, and they were they were um, buying real estate, and he was the property manager as well. So he had two different roles. He was the owner, and he was um, the asset manager or the boots on the ground property manager. And his partner, who was you know quote unquote the numbers guy, who you know um, I could probably speak more of, but I would say did not do you know very much. Um, he sat back and I would say collected the checks, like you sort of said. And um, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out, you know, what was my dad doing wrong, or what was my, other, what was his partner doing right, and you know, how can I step into this and be successful at it and make it work? So it wasn't until I started figuring out, okay, you know, my dad was choosing this type of role, and if you know my dad, uh, which you guys don't, but he loves helping these young couples and these these people who you know have need a, a, a place to stay a place to rent for for cheap um, and he loves being that sort of fatherly role to them and teaching them how to set up the utility bill and um, this is where the washer and dryer you know just kind of these like life lesson things um, he really like leans into that type of personality and that type of person. So it wasn't like he was begrudgingly, you know, fixing these things. What I saw, you know, was getting the phone calls on, you know, Thanksgiving morning saying, I locked, I got locked out of my house. Can you come and let me in? You know, that's what we saw. But, you know, along the ways he's, you know, you know, Mr. Steve, you know, to these, these young people um, who just adore him and love him. And, you know, he kind of had that fulfillment in being a property manager as well as being a property owner. So I learned that was not necessarily my thing was to be this fatherly role to these people like, like my dad has been, but rather the idea of being the owner of an, of an asset that you can you know, basically put money down on something that mm -hmm. creates money. And of course, you're not just sitting there doing nothing, but the whole idea of leveraging other people's gifts and abilities along with leveraging someone else's excess of money and wanting to maybe invest and being the sort of center spoke of it and structuring deals of course you got to be someone who is smart and trustworthy and can you know invest wisely but that was sort of a light bulb uh, moment of understanding i don't have to be the guy that fixes the house or maintains the water heater unit, you know, or, you know, works for hours to get $5,000. And that's how, you know, you can use other people into this, this industry 
and um, and still play an integral part in making everything work. I love that answer, and I think that a lot of people and and I think that especially for me is for people who are just new to real estate, we all have to start somewhere relatively small. Be like. You know, we have to be the one that is property owner and is the property manager to begin yes. with, <laughs> yes. um, and we think that that's all there is. So, so we never kind of took that step further to disintegrate those two roles in you know what we really want to just become the property owner. And I think that was a very valuable lesson, John. So, can you chip in here a little bit? I'm curious as to kind of how you have thought about those roles because you apparently have, you know, a lot more experience than the both of us combined. So where did that kind of light bulb went out for you? I Well, I love Kenny's story about his dad, right? Because dads teach us whether they want to, whether intend to or not, they teach us a lot. I bought my first house at 19 um, and that, that all tribute to my mom helping me just it was just luck. There was no plan in it at all. I just, I ended up in a car wreck and got a reasonable size settlement when I was 18 years old. And by 19, I had bought my first house and that was really attributed to my mom. My dad, he was an old army guy, right? He didn't really like being in the army. He was good at it, but it wasn't his passion. So he started buying real estate in the late 80s, which if y'all know anything about economics back then, it kind of sucked. My dad ended up with five houses. All five of them got foreclosed on. Yeah, he he went like this, like straight up, he bought a whole bunch and then crashed almost within, I think he did it like four years. He he bought and lost five houses. So yeah, I'm like, all right, I don't want to do what dad did. Right. I didn't. I ended up buying four, well, my partners and I, I want to be really, really clear about like the partnership role of when you're buying real estate. It, it is, it's, you can do it one at a time. You can be a solo owner, but it's a lot harder. It's a lot harder to be a sole owner, it's so much easier to have partnerships. And so I I ended up early on in my career, really like 2001, I, I formed a partnership with a couple of people and, um, and that allowed us to scale a lot faster. We all had very specific roles and my big role was raising capital. I ended up with we ended up, long story short, we ended up with 429 single family. Uh, no, that's not true. 429 total doors, 315 uh, single family reds. Um, so we had a fairly large portfolio. So uh, I think apparently John like leveraged the, the his cap uh, his capital well, his partners and had kind of honing on that one role to become the you know the capital raiser in that team. So going back to you, Kenny, when you made that switch, you know, from the looking at the PM role and a, you know, property owner role, and you're like, Hey, I want to become the property owner. So once you have made that switch, what happened 
afterwards in terms of you know scaling that portfolio? Did you capital raise, and what did you do exactly to scale that and just become focused on the property owner? Sure. And something I didn't haven't mentioned yet is I I've been worked so I graduated college was dating my soon to be wife. I I needed to be making money and. Um, a friend of mine from college started a landscaping business and I didn't really have a great job at the time. I, I did study for graphic design. I have a bachelor's in, you know, in bachelor's of arts in graphic design, but I wasn't using it. And I realized after I graduated, I do not like graphic design. It is not what I want to do, which I don't know if anyone out there has felt that way after they graduated college, but that was, you know, not a great feeling. So I ended up starting with my, my, uh, just doing landscaping with my friend. And I said, well, I'll commit to you for a year. Um, and, you know, he gave me $30,000 is what he said. You know, he paid me that. And this was 12 years ago or so. And um, I was like, okay, great. You know, steady income. Perfect. I'm getting married soon. I need, to be make, I need to be working. And I was able to basically scale up very quickly as we kept growing, uh, making more money. You know, not soon, soon long after I, uh, I made 40. It was, it was just like, it just kept getting pay raises. But what I didn't understand at that time was what am I doing to get these pay raises and how long am I working to do this? And does that matter? Does it matter that I'm working 50, 60 hours a week doing, you know, potentially very grueling work to get this paycheck? At that time, it didn't matter. I just knew I want to make as much money as possible. And by working as, as, as long as the sun was, you know, bright is, is how, how long I wanted to work. So when I started realizing what I was doing to make this money and these goals I had of how much I want to make each year, things just were not lining up with, you know, we now have a kid. I'm wanting to see my wife as much as possible, you know, and, and not just right before bed kind of deal. And I started trying to find a way to get passive income or just ways that I could make more money without working harder. And that was when I talked to my friend about, you know, going to this weekend class. And I, I decided maybe real estate can be a plan B for me. I can just maybe buy something on the side, do a side hustle real estate guy um, and continue working. So that was the um, really the game changer in understanding real estate because I feel like for anyone listening and for you know you guys, Austin, John, there's got to be a reason for why you're doing this. John mentioned you know you could do it solo and potentially make a ton of money. Like it's not... It's not like it's never been done before. I mean, it's it, it it totally can be done. You want to be a one man show doing stuff, you can make money doing it. And I and I did that for a while. I think also you've mentioned like you know it's not like you just instantly become this niched part of a team. Some people do you know kind of go that route in syndications. But I decided, and my and my reason why was I wanted more time with my family. That was sort of the overarching goal was I want more freedom of time. So. When I went to this weekend class, one of my takeaways was I'm going to start writing letters to my neighbors. And, you know, fast forward, ended up getting someone saying, yes, I'll sell you my house. It was someone five houses down from me. House look abandoned. And it was a, like, perfect first rental deal. For those that are familiar with the Burr strategy, you know, I bought it low enough. I renovated it low enough. And I rented it out high enough that when I refinanced on it, I actually made $16,000 after the refinance, which means I still had another like 40 in that inequity of the house, which means if I sold it, you know, that could be liquidated. Um, but I didn't need to because I was cash flowing, you know, 300 bucks a month. And that was my entry level, you know, real estate deal. 
So that was back in 2019. Ended up, I think I've done a total of about 20 deals or so. That's been a mixture of fix and flips, rentals. I have two commercial deals that are performing right now. And um, I've wholesaled one. So um, that's sort of my, my quick resume of what I've done. I've been full-time uh, since my daughter was born. Um, so she is almost two now. And it's cool because I can sort of see as she gets older, that's how, how long I've been doing this uh, where I left my, my landscape job. And it's been life-changing. I mean, I, I really can't understate it. I'm basically a full-time dad and I do real, do real estate. It's kind of been what I've always wanted in regards to being at home, but real estate has been a, you know, a joy. It's, it's not been like a big grudge. Oh, I gotta go to work today. It's something that I love doing. So I'm, I'm currently living the dream, the dream life. Thank you so much for sharing with us <laughs> kind of your mindset change, as well as kind of how you have scaled from that very first deal that you have walked us through to where you are now. This is super encouraging. Like, just so you know, guys, like when you think about what Kenny did for his first deal, when he said, hey, I'm going to be start sending letters to my neighborhood. And then I found this house, right? You put this on a contract and which is what, five houses away from you that's totally abandoned. That house is, has been sitting there for God knows how long, but Kenny is the one that took action and to just write up those letters. I'm going to start hustling. And that's how you found the deal. And that is just super encouraging because yes, technically anybody can do it, but only the people who take those type of actions get actual results. And for anyone and, for saying that, the, the letter was a spiral, like three by five, like lined paper. I mean, the dinkiest paper you can think of. And it literally said something like, I am your neighbor. I'm interested in buying your house. Please call me if you're interested in selling like something super like <laughs> elementary. And I made sure my phone number was legible. And it was literally like three weeks, it was maybe like three weeks later, I got a call and the guy was like, I'd rather sell to you than some of these like, you know, real estate snipers who are going to give me, you know, pennies on the dollar or something like that. And we started a relationship and that was, and, and I found out that, you know, his dad actually lived there, but his dad couldn't go up and downstairs. It looked abandoned, never saw any movement at all. And the only reason that this guy I talked to came was to like wash his dad's clothes because the washer was down. Anyway, it was just like, and that took six months of, of, you know, building a relationship with him. But that's what, I mean, that is what I love about this business it has been building these relationships with mm -hmm. sellers, brokers, investors, contractors. I mean, it's a relationship business for anyone that doesn't like talking to people. Sorry. You, I mean, there's different ways you can function in a relationship and it can be, you know, numbers and other things, but you have got to be able to work with people. Um, that is a baseline for this, this business. <laughs> Kenny, I love your message. And I just want to call out that you remember at the very beginning, uh, you mentioned your dad is, you know, a property owner, property manager who loves the property management side of things because there was a relationship piece to it. But you actually also found your own relationship piece while being a property owner. You're trying, you're creating all of these relationships in your neighborhood, right? It's like, from a business perspective, it can be, you know, a David and Goliath situation where, you know, you have your own huge advantage, actually, just being there and create that relationship with people, which allow you to find a really good opportunity. And I've also, I bet, helped out the seller in that situation as well. 
Yeah. Um, and yeah. The, the, we don't, we can even take off the words real estate. It really, I feel like as a person, I personally feel a calling, a burden, uh, a love, a desire for my neighbors in my neighborhood, specifically my neighborhood. I have two kids. I have, uh, you know, Moses is six years old and Daphne is you know, almost two. And we're that family that like is just outside with a stroller or with the ball, just waving at everybody. I mean, we're, we're in the South. Goodness, everyone kind of waves at everybody here. But, um, you know, but I, I take pride in knowing my neighbors and knowing my neighborhood. My, my wife is a stay-at-home mom. So in this life, I feel like if we can connect with people um, and build these relationships and not be these little silos that, you know, go to work, keep our heads down and go home and, you know, look forward to the weekends. Not a life that I, you know, if you're working a W-2 job or, you know, you're doing something else that's, you know, not real estate investing, um, it's not like you're losing and that's not what you should be doing. But I definitely want to give that message of connect with people. People matter. We have souls that are eternal. And if we just, you know, would start looking at people like that and trying to connect, that would change the world. So sorry for sounding cheesy there, but that's that's the call. Yeah. I love I love that so much because I uh, go ahead, John. Can I jump in for yeah. a second? So. Rat Race Rescue is the name of the company, right? And the tagline is build community, right? That's that's the goal of the three of us is that idea that the world is small. We all have different worldviews. We all have different perspectives, but building community is paramount to living happily ever after right i i love the that you i love that anna is a stay-at-home mom i love that your 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 wife is a stay-at-home mom i love that you're a stay-at-home dad right i think i think you're very inspiring kenny the idea that that you can do it is pretty amazing to to summary what john have said kind of in my own version right I think that your way of going to real estate, you're almost in a way that you are taking your soul back from, like you said, you know, like a, you know, living the motion of like, you know, I'm here to do work, I'm I'm out. But here, like, you're actually trying to create something a lot more valuable, meaningful, while make a very abundant life for yourself. And I think that's really, that's a really powerful message. And I do want to shift gear towards kind of the capital raising part of things. Now that you're able to have you know, you found a good proof of concept, a very successful birth strategy that had worked for you. And you've done, you know, 20 deals after that. How, where does capital raising comes into the picture during this scaling part? So capital raising and, and um, I learned on my second deal because I funded my first deal from my HELOC, home equity line of credit. So I was able to pull equity out from my existing home, which I'd owned for you know, eight years. It was a $65,000 line of credit, and that actually funded the purchase price and the rehab of my first deal. But my second deal, um, I learned about hard money, uh, which is basically using another – you're basically buying money. And it's expensive, but you can do deals if it's a good – you know, you find a good opportunity. After my fourth deal, I realized hard money is kind of difficult. Um, I started talking to my actually with my one friend's dad, who was just kind of a coach, mentor, um, 
is someone I had looked up to. And I asked him for $30,000. He said yes, which was a mind-blowing moment. And then about maybe two months later, I asked him for another 100 and he said yes. And it like I could actually still remember driving home that day being like, what just happened? Like I'm like sweating, I'm excited, I'm like feeling this like adrenaline and I'm like, oh my goodness, there are people out there that will give me money to do this thing that I believe in. And it, I mean, it even still kind of gives me shivers even saying it because it just opened up the gateway of like, okay, so if I can become, you know, experienced and you know, have some type of authority in what I'm doing, and be a trustworthy person and, and a likable person and build relationships with these people that have money, I could keep going and <laughs> keep buying things. So when we talk about raising capital, that's kind of been the and of course this this friend's dad of mine, you know, he he helped me get started, but he since him, I've been working with six other private money lenders to fund my deals. And the beauty of these deals is they're usually a six to twelve month type of turn. So once the deal is done, they made some money in interest. I made money in the refinance or the flip. And then they say, what's the next deal? Let's keep going. So you can keep buying things with the same you know, money that you're just recycling over and over. And that's what's brought me to where I am now. So there comes a point, though, where you may say to yourself, I'm hitting a wall in, 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 in what I want to do. I want to buy this $100 million building. Um, or, you know, community, do I just keep meeting with people until I can get that much money? Like, you know, there's a wall somewhere and that's where the capital raising side has taken more of a business approach instead of a, you know, friends and family approach where you have to be able to attract and, um, educate and nurture these relationships outside of your circles to keep going. So um, it started with private money lenders in regards to just building those, those networks, those relationships, and giving their money back and continuing to buy deals. But now the business is taking more of a scalable you know, LinkedIn, social media, websites, email automations. These are the things that you know, really have to take place if you want to scale faster. Uh, which has been a decision I made in the last few months, honestly, has been that journey. And there's one more thing else I want to mention. While I was working in my landscape position, I was a customer service rep. So, um, you know, the first maybe two, three years, four years, I was, you know, mowing the fields, installing the, the projects. And don't think that if you're, if you're in a small business, you're, you're wearing many hats at all times. So it's not like I'm just sitting on this, you know, there was one guy in the company actually that was the designated salesman. And we sort of maybe joked with him because he wore, you know, skinny jeans and um, didn't like getting, you know, his, his shoes were like boots that were really like fancy. And we're like, what are you doing? That's not at all. And anyway, so like I never took on that type of persona, like the salesman, but um, there was a lot more in customer service that I did. So I was managing, you know, 70 accounts in this, you know, lake type of community. And my role was in communicating with these people, giving them updates about their property. Um, yeah, pitching ideas of, hey, you could turn this backyard into an oasis or we could make a waterfall over here. We could do this. So there was upselling and sales that happened. So that type of service, uh, I very much take into real estate in regards to 
hey, you know, this is the deal. Are you interested in funding this deal? And then, of course, like, you don't, that's, that's just the beginning. You know, there's probably been months before of talking to that person. But you have to keep this relationship warm and give them updates and meet with them and let them know, you know, how your family's doing and then ask about their family and what their goals are and their dreams. And that's what makes it all work is that type of nurturing and that type of communication and consistency in communication that allows you to continue to borrow their money. Thank you, Kenny. I love that. I think it's really that service-oriented mindset that allows you to scale quickly from like, you know, as having one $30,000, you know, $30, you know, giving you to scale your business while, you know, making a profit for the investor to 100K to six, <laughs> to six different private lenders for you to, you know, continue to scale this over from not only friends and family, but to, a, you know, a business scale. And I think that that fundamental value would really help anybody in the long run. So I know that we're reaching time for a closing thought from you, Kenny. Where do you see your capital raising journey going in the future, like scaling perspective? What are the different methods that you're looking to do? So um, and on this, this deal that we're, we're all a part of, the Cheney deal, we're, they have what's called a 506B offering, which basically means that you talk with people that you have existing relationships with, friends and family more or less. And that's how I've been approaching the business has been that type of 506B type of person. Where I see my capital raising career going is I love the niche role of being an investor relations type of guy. I, on the flip side of that, my drudgery zone is in asset management and, and you know flipping these, these homes and, and deciding what light fixture to put in the kitchen. These things wear me out so fast, you have no idea. Um, so when, when you learn about yourself and kind of where, where do you, where's your thrive zone? You know, wh how do you get charged up? I've, I found myself, you know, getting really excited and loving sitting with other investors and talking to them about their money and ways they can, you know, get more from, from where they're investing right now. And I never saw myself as someone that would have authority in that, but you know, as I've talked to people in my church and just friends and, you know, sort of just probing a little bit of, you know, how, where are you investing right now? It's opened up so many like conversations of like how they're unhappy with where their money is and what, how hard their money is working for them. And if they had an opportunity with someone like me, perhaps of being able to get a better return, they would potentially take it. So the way I see my business growing and scaling has been to identify who is my investor that I want to help serve. This isn't a help Kenny get rich, you know, plan. This is a let's use real estate to, to make money, make us all, you know, wealthier. And why? Okay. So the point for me is I want to be able to spend more time with my family and, and do the things that I want to do with the people that I love doing it with. And I feel like that message Usually, and my goal is to have that message resonate with my investor to say, hey, you know, what is it that you love doing? And who is it that you love spending time with? And maybe if we could do this deal together, these returns might get you a little bit closer into not feeling like you need to work so hard or work as long doing whatever role you're doing. So being able to identify that type of person and then through social media and, you know, marketing tech strategy identify these people and have them get to know me and say, Hey, Kenny's someone that I 
enjoy working with, listening to, befriending, getting to know. I think he likes me too. Or, you know, we jump on a call. Like when there's a connection made, let's fund, let's help him fund this next deal. So that's been my mindset as I continue to try and scale. And through this deal um, and hopefully the next 40 deals, um, I can identify more people like me who agree with my mission and um, we can take these deals down together. Absolutely love that. I think that your growth has been very almost like strong and steady in a way. Like you did every step of the way from like operating your own and then seeking friends and family and identify a higher level of you know, a bigger level of investor base, like what is the target persona, the target person that I can really help with and resonate with me. And I think that's very powerful. Uh, John, any closing thoughts from you? One thing I noticed about Kenny is how important community is in this whole process and how he's willing to take the burden away from the investor, right? A lot of people hear about like, oh, I'm going to buy a, uh, an investment property. They never look at like, the 3,000 hours of additional work to make that deal actually. And through passive real estate investing, right, you make almost as much as the operator, but you have substantially less work involved, right? You can keep your, my wife is a teacher, right? She loves teaching. She's never gonna quit her day job. But through passive investing, she can make her money work for her while she's continuing her passion. And I think that's what Kenny is offering to people. And I think that's really the important piece is keep your day job, love what you do. If you have some side money that's not raising, maybe it's getting a 4% in a CD or something, I don't know, uh, or 2% sitting in a bank account. Maybe make that money work harder for you and make better returns so that you can ultimately have that community life that, that Kenny's being able to illustrate. I think that's really important. Love that. Before we wrap this up, Kenny, where can people find out more about you? So I'm most involved right now on my Instagram page. It's EastWest864. And my company's name is, is EastWest Capital. Um, it was East West Property Solutions, but East West comes from a saying that my grandma had said many times. Um, she lived with us for the last six years of her life. Um, I was in college, but she'd always say East West Homes Best. And um, so that's that's a nod to Grandma Moses. Um, and uh, I, I agree with that. And the fact that no matter where you go in life, whether East or West, home is always best. That's been my company name. So East West 864. And I'm um, hoping to get some other things in the works here the next weeks, months with um, websites and other things, but that's probably the first place I would send people. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kenny, for your time and John today. This is an amazing episode. This is your host, Austin Wong from First Gym Mastery, John Lang from Rat Race Rescue, and Kenny Johnson from Home is Always the Best, signing off. That's it for this episode of First Gen Mastery. Tune in next week for more insights, inspirations, and actionable tips to help you master your path to abundance and freedom. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.